ask you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. Uh, Will will be teaching us this morning, so in order to be prepared, uh, he'll be teaching us from Luke 14, verses 12 through 24. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Let's pray together. Oh, magnificent Father, we come before you acknowledging that we are not worthy to receive your love and goodness to us. We thank you for your radical mercy, your radical grace, your radical love towards sinners, that you would redeem them by the blood of your son. We are so grateful that that is true. We also thank you that you are preparing a feast and one day people from every tongue and tribe and nation will attend it, Father. We cannot wait for that day. But Father, for this morning, would you please make us eager learners? Would you help us give you our attention? Would you give Will clarity and calm as he comes and teaches this passage? Would you help us learn, learn new things about you and fall more in love with you as a result? May you be glorified through this day. In your name we pray, amen. 
Well, good morning, everyone. So for those of you that don't know me, I'm Will. I'm the director of student ministries here, and so it's a privilege to be able to uh, be up front teaching for my first time this morning. So uh, today we're talking about the parable of the great banquet. So uh, I thought it'd be appropriate for me to start off by telling you guys about a great banquet that I once attended. Uh, in college, I played soccer, and as a part of being on the soccer team, at the end of each season, we were invited to um, a big banquet at the house of our university president. And I want you guys to understand, this was a fancy banquet, right? So we tuck in our shirts, we wear a tie, like we actually cleaned up for this, so it was, it was like a very fancy banquet, actually. And a side note with that is, you know it's a fancy banquet if they serve coffee after dinner, right? And so, um, to this day, I'm pretty sure it's the only time that I've ever drank coffee after dinner, but that classifies it as a fancy banquet. Anyways, uh, the first time I attended one of these, uh, I felt like I was totally out of my league. You know, they have all the different forks and spoons and knives, and I'm sitting there looking at all of them like, I think I need one of each. I'm pretty sure that's all I need at least. So needless to say, I made myself like a, look like a fool at the first one I attended, but eventually I figured it out. I became a lot more comfortable and really started to um, enjoy these banquets. And, and as the years um, went on, it was something that I really started to, to look forward to, actually. Um, so the best thing about these banquets, and I'm going to broaden it and say parties in general. When, when you're invited to a banquet or party, uh, the, the best part, in my opinion, I would say is the value that you feel from being invited to a banquet or party. You feel uh, a sense of importance when someone invites you to a special occasion. It really is a good feeling. So that's my experience with big banquets, but now we're going to talk about a little bit more important banquet, okay? So uh, Luke chapter 14, that's where we're at today. Um, but before we jump right into the passage, I want to recap a little bit of what Joe talked about last week because um, it really does give us some good context and kind of set the stage for where we're going today. So um, context and recapping, Jesus is at um, a party right now hosted by a ruler of the Pharisees on the Sabbath day. And uh, as he often did, he used this time to do some teaching. And I would classify this teaching as probably not the easiest of teaching necessarily. So uh, what Jesus does is he starts out by addressing the people of the party directly um, in verses 7 through 11. And he calls them to humility. And this all culminates in verse 11 of chapter 14 where uh, Jesus says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. So that's where we left off last week, Jesus talking to the people at the party. Now as we uh, come to verse 12, where we're going to start today, Jesus, he actually shifts his focus from the people of the party, and now he's going to be talking to the host of the party at the start of this. So let's pick up uh, verses 12 through 14. We're going to uh, kind of piece this up in small uh, sections, so just be, be prepared for that. We're just going to be looking at kind of a few verses at a time as we go through. Uh, so verses 12 through 14. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you uh, give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or uh, rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So remember, this is Jesus talking now to the host of the party instead of the people at the party. And with this kind of shift in focus that he makes, he, he does two different things. Uh, he just called the people of the party to um, this type of radical humility where they're humbling themselves in order to be exalted. And now he goes and does the exact same thing to the host of the party as well. 
Um, so that's kind of the first thing he does. He calls the host of the party to um, this type of radical humility, but then in doing so, he also shows everyone the generosity that's required of his disciples. That's really um, the heart of what he's getting at. So it was common practice then, as it is now, to uh, when you have a party or a banquet or something like that, to invite the people in your inner circle, your, your close friends, right? That's what we all do when we have some type of party. It's our inner circle that's always going to be there. But what Jesus is saying is that we should never actually be exclusive about who we're inviting to the table, right? We should never be exclusive about who we're inviting to the table. And I actually mean that both literally and figuratively, because literally, we should never be exclusive about who we're showing generosity to, who we're um, going out and sharing our homes with and inviting into our homes and, and uh, sharing a meal with even. We should never be exclusive in that way about who we're inviting to the table. But we should also never be exclusive about who we're inviting to God's table and sharing our faith with. So there's kind of this literal and figurative uh, kind of practical and spiritual way that Jesus is calling them to generosity. It takes true humility to show generosity to someone that can't repay you. That's really what Jesus is getting at. And of course, when we show generosity to people that can't repay us, we're serving others in a way that truly honors God because we all know of the generosity that God has shared with us through Jesus, and that's generosity that we can never repay either. So when we serve others in that way, we really are honoring God. So that's verses 12 through 14. Um, and I would say that Jesus has laid out some pretty hard truths so far at this dinner party. And that might help bring a little bit of explanation to what we see in verse 15. So uh, let's go ahead and read verse 15 real quick. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. So this is kind of a, a fairly random outburst, and it, it might be, uh, intended to actually change the uncomfortable subjects that Jesus is talking about. Someone at the party might have just been standing there, been a little uncomfortable, and said, well, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in God's kingdom, kind of shift the focus off of what he's talking about. But what this also does is it kind of confirms a very popular notion that uh, many Jews believed at this time, that only Jews were going to be the ones who entered God's kingdom. It wasn't open to everyone. And so the Pharisees at this party, they would have felt very secure in knowing that they would be the only ones to enter God's kingdom. What they could ultimately do is rely on their heritage and their law keeping to reserve a place for them in God's kingdom. And so they truly felt like they were going to be the only ones there. So there really is kind of an underlying tone of not necessarily blessed is everyone, maybe just blessed are the Jews that are going to enter God's kingdom. So then we come to verses 16 through 24. And after hearing what uh, this person just said, um, Jesus is going to tell a parable that kind of shatters any preconceived notions that the Pharisees might have had over who's going to enter God's kingdom. So verses 16 through 24, this is a, a direct response to what was just said in verse 15. So let's go ahead and read verses 16 through 24. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. 
Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. So a, a quick flyover recap of what we just read. Um, there's a man that has put together a great banquet, and he invited many people. On the day of that banquet, he uh, sent his servant out to tell everyone, the banquet's now ready. The problem in there is, as everyone had excuses as to why they couldn't come. I just bought a field. I just bought oxen. I just got married. So the master is very angry at being stood up by his guests, so he sends out his servant into the streets to bring in the poor and crippled. And once he does that, there's still room at the banquet. So he sends his servant out again to the edge of the city and has him invite people until the banquet is full entirely. So let's take some time to look at the, the little details within this parable. Um, but before we go any further, um, I want to make sure we all know exactly what a parable is, just so we're all on the same page within that. So uh, a parable, simply put, is a story that's intended to illustrate a spiritual truth. Like, so it doesn't really have any deep underlying meaning, but then when you really dig into it, you can find these really profound spiritual truths within it. And so that's what we're looking at right here, um, verses 16 through 24. Um, right now, we're going to start off just by looking at verses uh, 16 and 17. Uh, so I'm going to read those again for us. It says, But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant uh, to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. So in verse 16, we can see that there's a, a great banquet that's mentioned. And since this is a parable, we should ask the question, Does this banquet actually refer to anything? Is this something that it's pointing to? And the answer is yes. Um, this great banquet is pointing to God's kingdom. We can draw a, a straight line from great banquet to God's kingdom. They're one and the same, totally interchangeable. That's exactly what Jesus is pointing at when he says, uh, talks about this great banquet. And so after we hear about this great banquet or God's kingdom, we're told that many are invited. And then as we move forward into verse 17, the master of the banquet sends out his servant to tell everyone that now the banquet is ready. So what we see in this parable is kind of a, a two-fold invitation system. Um, it was common practice to send out an invitation well in advance, kind of like an RSVP, and, and let everyone know, hey, there's a party coming up. You're invited to it. We want you to be there. And then a second invitation would go out once the party was actually ready and people could start arriving. So when we hear the phrase invited many in verse 16, we might be tempted to think that this is in reference to the people that Jesus spoke to while he was here on earth, the people that he invited into God's kingdom. But this first invitation, it actually mirrors the story of Israel. Uh, remember, Jesus is talking to a group of Pharisees who would, have really, uh, who would have known really well the history of Israel. So I thought this was a really cool detail while I was studying this passage that um, the two invitations seen in this parable, they actually show us the two invitations that God has given, us, uh, has given into his kingdom. So let's look at the first invitation. And this first invitation actually takes us all the way back to Exodus chapter uh, 19. So we're going to turn over just real quick to Exodus 19, verses 3 through 6. Um, a little context so we're all on the same page. This is right after Israel has been freed from Egyptian captivity, and now they're at Mount Sinai. And so... 
Um, what we're going to be reading here is what God says to Moses. So Exodus 19, verses 3 through 6. Uh, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So this is God's invitation to the people of Israel to be in relationship with him, to live in relationship with him. And so it makes sense that Jesus would have told a story that illustrates this because the Pharisees, they would have known exactly what happened at Mount Sinai. They know this story inside and out, forward and backward. In this group of Pharisees, they would have accepted God's initial invitation given here at Mount Sinai through Moses. They were totally bought in on it. And based on this initial invitation, they thought that they would enter God's kingdom. So that's the first invitation. Then we have the second invitation in verse 17. Um, and uh, this is the one where the guests are informed that the great banquet, the, the banquet is ready for them. Now, this second invitation is the one that um, Jesus has extended to everyone that he came in contact with. It's the invitation that Jesus is saying, trust me for your salvation. You know, I'm, I'm going to be the perfect sacrifice for your sins. When I die on the cross, I, I want you to enter God's kingdom through me. So those are kind of our, our two, um, our two uh, invitations. And that brings us up to uh, verse 18. So let's look at verses 18 through 20 now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So throughout scripture, we can see the Pharisees repeatedly refused to accept Jesus as their Messiah. It was something that they did constantly. And that's why Jesus talks about this, uh, the party guests making these uh, really bad excuses as to why they can't attend the banquet. What it is really is a picture of the Pharisees' attitude toward Jesus. Now, let's slow down and be real for a second. We all make bad excuses at times, right? For example, in my own life, uh, I struggle to find motivation to exercise. Um, it's something that I know I should do, but don't really have the motivation to do a lot of times. And so my wife, Anna, will oftentimes try and encourage me to exercise. And what ends up happening is I turn into the king of making up excuses and bad excuses as to why I can't exercise. A few examples. I don't want to. I'll do it tomorrow. It's too hot outside. I don't really like working out. Like, all of these are typical excuses that I give, and all of those poor excuses would fall in line with the ones we see in this parable. So let's take a, a quick, closer look at them. I bought a field, and I must go examine it. No one buys a field and then goes to see it afterwards, right? That's not, that's not common practice. That's not something that happens. That's a bad excuse. I bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. No one buys oxen and then goes to see him afterwards. It's a really bad excuse. I just got married and I can't come. I'm technically still a newlywed. I got married in December of last year and I can't use that as a valid excuse to get out of social gatherings to say, I just got married, sorry, I can't be there. It's not a valid excuse. These, these are all really bad excuses. 
But what Jesus is doing is he's trying to paint a picture that the Pharisees had no excuse as to why they wouldn't accept the second invitation that he's offering to them. In fact, they had every reason to accept the invitation because they knew all the prophecies that scripture had to offer as to what their Messiah was going to be and what their Messiah was going to look like. But unfortunately, their hearts were hardened. They failed to see that God's kingdom, the great banquet, is here. And Jesus, their long-awaited Messiah, is literally standing right in front of them. They can't see it. That brings us to verses 21 through 23. It says, So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. So after all those poor excuses were given, the master of the banquet, he's angry, and he sends out his servant to the street to invite in the poor and crippled to the banquet. These would have been considered the outcasts of Israelite society. So the Pharisees, they're hearing this, and, and their, their mind immediately goes to the unclean people. Why are you having them come into the banquet? That's not how it's supposed to be. The unclean people don't get to enter God's kingdom. And then once those people are invited, the servant returns and says to the master that, that even with those people, there's still room. So the master sends the servant out again to the highways and hedgerows. And, and this is uh, meant to really symbolize the Gentiles, the people who weren't a part of God's initial invitation into his kingdom. And so, again, the Gentiles or the, or the Pharisees, excuse me, are sitting there going, what? Why are they coming into the great banquet? That doesn't make any sense either. Well, this is all appropriate because Jesus was often condemned by the Pharisees for associating with tax collectors and sinners and unclean people. It was something he was often criticized for. So instead of the people who were originally invited, the great banquet is now full of outcasts and sinners. And that's when we come to verse 24 and we see kind of a final sobering truth. Verse 24 says, For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. The Pharisees that Jesus is talking to, they would have accepted the first invitation to, to God's great banquet, to God's kingdom, the one that was given through Moses. They believed that God had called them to be his people, but then they insulted God by not accepting his son. And as a result, they would miss out on the great banquet altogether because they refused to accept Jesus' invitation. So Jesus just told a story that, that showed the people who assumed they were in God's kingdom, actually, you're not going to see any of it. You're going to see none of it because you're refusing to accept me for who I am, the son of God who came to seek and save the lost. So now let's talk about kind of the practical application of this parable for us today. So remember, I started talking, uh, I started today by talking about the banquets that I attended in college, you know, the, the coffee after dinner type of banquets, really fancy ones, the, the really good ones. So I really did mean it when I said that there's a sense of value that I felt when I was invited to those banquets. It, it made me feel important. And I really think that's what we should all be feeling after reading this parable and after looking at this parable. You know, the Pharisees, they missed the mark, and they refused to accept the invitation that was offered to them through Jesus. But that same invitation is offered to every single person in this room. 
And we should all feel value, uh, valued because of that great invitation. We've been invited to live in God's kingdom for eternity for no real reason other than he loves us. That, that, is, that is the underlying reason. Doesn't that make you feel kind of valuable? Like that, it makes me feel valuable at least. The God who created the universe loves us so much that he invites us to live with him forever, uh, for eternity. And that invitation comes through Jesus, our perfect Savior, who died on the cross to free us from our sin. So my closing thoughts are this. I have just a couple closing thoughts. If you haven't accepted the invitation into God's kingdom, there really is no reason to wait. I want to encourage you that the invitation is open. We can see super clearly through this, uh, this parable that that, that uh, invitation, the second invitation that was given, it's still open to us today. It's wide open, and Jesus is waiting for us to put our faith in him and ultimately trust him as our Savior who can free us from our sin. For those of us that have already accepted the invitation into God's kingdom, I think it's super practical that we just thank him for the grace that he's shown us because truly without that grace, we would have no chance of getting into his kingdom. And then I think as a result, we can circle all the way back to the generosity that we looked at at the start of this passage. We've been given this invitation. Now we're called to turn and give this invitation to others. So that's where I'm going to leave us this morning. Um, let's pray. God, thank you uh, for the grace that you've extended to us through Jesus. It's just uh, it's something that, that really does make us feel valuable. We're, we're truly grateful for it because um, without that, we would be totally hopeless. So God, I just want to ask that um, if there's anyone in this room who's never accepted that invitation, you would um, work in their life, God, and give them the courage to talk to someone about uh, what this what this invitation really means to, to be in relationship with you and to trust Jesus for uh, for their salvation. And God, for those of us that have accepted that invitation, I just want to ask that you would uh, give us the, the boldness to step out and share that invitation with other people and, and invite people to the banquet that we've so graciously been invited to. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.